Hey everybody and welcome to an all new edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. Sitting here directly across the couch from me is Jenny. Hello. She seemed very unprepared to be introduced. I did, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, 111 miles to our southwest, as usual, is Megan. Megan, how you doing? I'm good. Great. Hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing about this week. We got almost nothing for you. There's no being the elite. There was no AEW Dark. We got Dynamite, we got Ratings, and then we got to go. That's, I guess, good? (laughs) Yeah, so it should be a shorter episode than our almost three-hour episode from last week. But thankfully, as every week, we do have something to start things off. Something that will never cancel on you. Nope. It's the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. My favorite part of the week. Now, this week, we're going to have three pops for you. Three pops. One show to review, but three pops. Holy hot damn. Yeah. Uh, this week is a special week. It's Andy's birthday tomorrow. Yeah. But it's a birthday weekend. It is. So, Andy, what did you decide to drink for your special birthday pop of the week? Oh, you know me. I like to keep it sparkling for the pop of the week. So I went with a little bit of the bubbly. Literally. Knocking Point Wines, a little bit of the bubbly. And let's see if I can get a pop. Woo! Yes, I can. (laughs) Now, the Elite Beat celebrated New Year's with a blind champagne tasting, where we did five Brutes champagnes, sparkling wines, and five rosés. Technically, it was four Brutes and a cuvee. That's true. Yeah. Uh... Somebody didn't get the memo. By the way, cuvee just means blend in champagne terms. Uh, So we put a little bit of the bubbly in our blind tasting. And I thought I'd read a little bit of the commentary that everyone had. And then we'll get to the other pops. We wrote down some tasting notes on each wine. And we also ranked them from one to five. One being the best, five being the worst. So these are a little bit of the bubblies, tasting notes and ratings. Acidic aroma, number five. Heavy peach pear, very sweet, number four. So this person liked one wine worse than a little bit of the bubbly. Peachy and pear, number four. So again, not the worst wine. And peach and apple, Very overwhelming smell. Super, super sweet. Ranked five out of five. So two fives and two fours. Yep. So pretty bad. Pretty, not necessarily, if you like a really sweet wine. I mean, let's let's be honest. This is is baby's first sparkling wine. Yes, that's true. It's it's incredibly sugary. It's, it's, It's overpowering. It's not dry at all. No. This is for people who are new to the wine game. And I'm sure that was by design. Yeah. And when I, for, and Megan, I think will agree with this. When I first started drinking wine, I always drank the sweet stuff. We'd always go for like a Riesling, sometimes even a Moscato, which is a super sweet um, Italian, almost sparkling, not quite sparkling wine. I think all that sugar prevents it from the carbonation really forming. (laughs) Um, So I think this is, if you're new to the wine game, Try a little bit of the bubbly. Um, Andy's still pretty new to the wine game. He's making some faces, though. This is terrible. Uh, It's like drinking just like a sugar 
just drinking sugar. Yeah. Megan and I actually tried to, so we had 10 wines and for New Year's Eve, but we didn't drink them all, obviously. So we stopped them all up, the ones that were left over. And then Megan and I tried to make mimosas the next morning. We tried to make a mimosa with this a little bit of the bubbly. Normally, you can kill a bad wine by just putting some orange juice in there and kind of hides all the sins. Uh, <laughs> not with a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> Undrinkable as a mimosa if you like a dry, a drier wine. Highlighted the sins, really. You really did highlight the sins. It's um, the thing I'll say about this is, I would not make this your first wine even if you're a wrestling fan, because the outlay is going to be $46 plus shipping. Oh, that's true. You want to start with a cheaper. Go to the grocery store, buy a $10 Riesling. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or or a a $10 to $12 uh, sparkling wine as well. But I guarantee you there are a lot of fans who never drank wine before who probably bought this because of Chris Jericho. I I wish that they would let you just buy one bottle because now we have two. I don't know how or when we're going to drink the second bottle, but we really wanted to try it. And it's it's a really fun bottle. The packaging's really cool. It comes with like this uh, postcard that's um, got Chris's face on it and has like stars that make it like kind of glow a little bit. You can see a great video of us on, on an unboxing video. You can see a great unboxing video of this on our Instagram account at the Elite Beat Pod. Mm-hmm. Please follow. Um, did we refrigerate the other one? No. We'd probably give it away as a present. Yeah. To whom? I don't know. Dave or Andrew, one of our wrestling liking friends. Sure. Sure. We don't drink a lot of wine. Maybe we'll just do like Instagram photos with it. <laughs> <laughs> Five Forever. years later, we'll still be trying to make a little bit of the bubbly happen for Jericho on our Instagram page. Trying to like trying to make it worth the fifty bucks we spent. Yes. Yeah. Hold on to it. It could be a collector's item soon. Hey, good point. So Jenny, would you like to uh would you like to pop yours? Sure. So I'm drinking a red today. It's a Barillo by Gianni Gagliardo. And it's a Castelletto. The 2013. So Barolo is in the northwest region of Italy. It's southwest of Milan. It's actually pretty close to the French border and kind of near the Riviera. So one of Andy and I's favorite places in France is Menton, which is really close to the Italian border. So if we ever go back there, we should make a little day trip to the Barolo region to have a little bit of wine. It's made with the Nebbiolo grape. Uh, Nebbia comes from the Italian word for meaning fog. So this region is very foggy. Sometimes you can't even see the hills because it's kind of in a valley. Like the word nebulous, which means vague. Oh. All right. So let me open it. All right, Megan, what do you have over there in Cincinnati? I just have my standard. uh, I couldn't get Chandon this week, so I went with Corbell. And you're turning into Jericho before he created his own sparkling wine. I think we could all argue that Corbell's better. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Okay, well, everybody, cheers. Happy birthday, Andy. Thanks. Yeah, happy birthday. Do you want to tell the listeners what you got for your birthday? I got a brand new 
uh, microphone for our podcast. And we are trying it out for the first time today. So hopefully it sounds good. So hopefully it improves the sound quality of the show. Uh, so now I have uh, pretty much the same microphone that Megan has. Mm-hmm. So we got uh, we got Yetis on both ends. As mentioned at the top of the show, it was kind of a dark week for AEW, which ironically also meant no AEW dark. <laughs> but uh, as they didn't record Dynamite last week, there was no dark taping. And there was no time in an arena to fuck around and film a Being the Elite episode. So this week we had no Being the Elite. We had no AEW Dark. We did have a Road to Jacksonville that premiered on Saturday night. But Jenny and I watched it and it was pretty much nothing. Yeah. It was just seven minutes of little promos. Yeah. And nothing nothing too special. So we're not even going to really talk about that. But But we do have Dynamite. If they were doing a road to Jacksonville, you think they could have gotten Mega on it? You think a road to being near Mega is yeah. what I would have watched. A road to the Executive Collective. Yes, please make that Executive Collective happen in 2020. Yeah. Now the fun thing about uh, this week's Dynamite is that for the second time in history, we all got to watch it together, and for the first time in history, we all got to watch it live together, which means Megan saw all of the picture in picture for the first time. I did. And there were some parts that were kind of important. Sort of. Not 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 as important as, like, Adam Page and Kenny Omega making up after they broke up. Yep. <laughs> that, no, that really was... shouldn't have put in picture in picture. That was huge, yeah. Uh, but I did get to read some cue cards from Sammy, so I thought, look, he's talking to me. That's right. All right, so we are live from, and also, like, none of us took notes because of uh, a horrible... DoorDash incident that we don't need to go into, but my intent was to take notes and let Jenny and Megan and just enjoy the the fun Russell times. We didn't even get to start eating until after the show began. So, so because of the whole notes debacle, I'm using a recap from Tyler Peters of AllEverythingEntertainment.com for this homecoming show, just to kind of guide us along the way. Uh, if I miss anything, you guys remember, you know, maybe Tyler wasn't so thorough. Okay, so let's jump in according to Tyler's formatting here. And I'm sorry, Tyler, you're probably a very nice person. (laughs) Do not deserve this. (laughs) He does make mention that uh, this is the homecoming show uh, of Darby's place in Jacksonville, Florida, is what he says. I don't. Daly's place? Tyler? That was sentence one. Strike one, Tyler. (laughs) You know, Tyler? Get to three strikes and we're moving to another recap. That should be the rule. (laughs) Okay. Strike one. Damn it, Tyler. Okay. So um, he mentions after that, that we start off the show with a video package of the elite, which I don't really remember because the first thing I remember is the match. Yeah. The theme of the the video package with the elite have uh, fallen on hard times. And this night is about, can the elite become elite again? Okay, that makes sense. I just, I guess I kind of lost that video package amongst all the other stuff that happened. I'd also like to mention that Daily's Place is the venue for the uh, July... Fight for the Fallen. AEW kind of preseason event, Fight for the Fallen. It's a really cool venue. It's outdoor. It looks like kind of like a, co- like not a coliseum, but arena type. Like an amphitheater. Like an amphitheater. Like an That's amphitheater, the right yeah. word. Um, uh, yeah, I really... Really, would if we were going to go to a show in Florida, which we never will, but if we went to Jacksonville, we could also stop Mega. 
um, this is the one I'd want to go to because it looks so cool. Now, in July, it was like 110 degrees there, and the show was six hours. So I wouldn't have wanted to do that. No, and it was very light outside until like, you know, the last couple hours of the show. True. Yeah, it was all dark here because, you know, it's eight o'clock. I didn't even recognize they were in the Daily's place until later in the show when they kind of brought up more lights. Yeah. But at the beginning, I was just like, are they in a random enclosed building? Because it didn't, it was so dark. Yeah, yeah. And apparently slightly more cold because Justin Roberts was wearing a coat when he did his ring announcing. He was. He looked good. Yeah. I feel bad for for the people that don't get to wear coats because it was cold, but I guess they wrestled and got warm. So that's That's true. And then they just had horrible cold sweat when they went to the back, probably. Everybody's getting pneumonia. That wasn't me pissing. (laughs) pouring piss into my glass thank you a little bit of the bubbly an important clarification it's very fizzy my Barilla is delicious (laughs) my Corbell's good (laughs) like the three bears (laughs) yeah so guys Taz is here also it should be mentioned I don't know that he did anything um, extreme or made any waves but he is on the announce team for this one I he thought was? he just—I thought he just fit in very well. Yes. Yeah. Tony Schiavone, as part of his uh, duties for the uh, University of Georgia football team, was calling their bowl game that was happening that night. Is are we getting Tony back? Is that kind of the end of the college football season? It should be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a relief. And normally, he you know he wouldn't do shows on Wednesdays. It's just it was you know it's bowl season, so there's games every night. And, Kind of like Chris Statlander normally wouldn't work for bar wrestling on a Wednesday night. It's true. But it's New Year's. It's crazy. So tonight we open with Cody having his rematch against Darby Allen. And Cody has with him Arn Anderson, who apparently now is part of the Nightmare family. So he's his manager for 2020. Yeah. I don't remember if that had happened when we at our last show but uh probably not i don't think it had so yeah so that's that was that was a kind of a late breaking news item this past week yeah so he was ringside for the whole match and this match instead of going to a time limit draw cody cody got a clean pin on darby so what did you think of the these two facing each other once again Oh, I thought it was terrific. Uh, they went 17 minutes, 20 seconds. It was uh, very fast-paced, very hard-fought. And uh, I, I thought the finish was absolutely brilliant. And it really incorporated Arn Anderson in a smart way. As Darby was going for the coffin drop, and Arn instructed Cody, who couldn't see Darby because he was laying down on the mat, he, he kind of gave him a signal to pull his knees up. Oh. And then Cody pulled the knees up, and Darby landed right on him. And then... Uh, and then Cody rolled him up for a pin. Wow, so that was a subtle way for him to have interfered. I mean, it was pretty obvious the way because they, they they focused on it and the and the commentators mentioned it. But I guess maybe not subtle is the right word. Um, a non cheating way for him to interfere. Yeah, he he, he, was, he was coaching. Yeah, he was he was doing it was it was a way to illustrate what his value is right off the bat. I like that a lot. Because yeah. most of the time, the people just on the ringside or the managers or the uh, valets. They interfere in illegal ways where there should be disqualifications. Right. I like how they're just highlighting, no, like, you can have a coach, like, MMA, you can hear the coaches, like, yelling at the 
fighters to do stuff sometimes. Exactly. Um, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't... Megan and I had drank a magnum of Prosecco and then two bottles of red wine by this point. I had one glass of Prosecco that morning and was sober the rest of the day, so... I didn't take notes, so I'm a little fuzzy. Yeah, that's okay. I still remember this happening, though. Like I saw it. <laughs> Jenny trying yeah, to pull Megan, me under Megan the bus was, with her. Megan was very lucid all day. I, don't, she I was been... lucid all day, too. I'm just saying. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, maybe I was still eating at this point. Maybe. I mean, it was this was like, you know, it was like the first 20 minutes of the show. Mm. Hi, Emmett. I still, I still remember seeing this, and I agree. I think it's very... Uh, it's appropriate. It's an appropriate way for him to have help because it kind of sh- lends credibility and shows his experience. So that was, I guess he's starting out strong as this manager. Good for Cody to yeah. have. You know, they set up in the video package that the, the theme of the night is can the elite, you know, turn it around. And then in your opening match, you've got Cody getting a big win to start things off strong. And, you know, in the main event, you've got your six man tag with the elite. So it's just kind of setting the table for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I uh, did want to shout out Darby did one of his crazy coffin drops onto the apron onto Cody. Luckily, so instead of hitting the apron directly, Cody just kind of slapped him away. But it looked, you know, Darby Allen level dangerous and kind of stupid. Yeah, not as dangerous as the first match where he just full on landed on his back. But Cody didn't really catch him so much as just like swat at him. I'd still rather land on a person than... But he didn't on land cor- on a person. Well, I'd still rather land on whatever he landed on than <laughs> on the corner, like the edge of the ring apron. Yeah, I think Cody swatting him away was enough of like a momentum killer so that at least he hit the ground a little less fast. It was like in a football game where the, de- <laughs> the defense like tips the ball. Be careful with your body, Darby. You're not a big man. Or a child at- anymore. Like your bones are fully formed at this point. <clears throat> You will break them. Yes, you're at an age where you should fear for your own mortality. I guess if you're half dead, it's less to fear because you only have to go halfway more. (laughs) (laughs) After that match, SCU is backstage getting interviewed and they are interrupted by Sammy Guevara. And much like the little punk kid he is, he starts to make fun of Christopher Daniels because... Christopher Daniels messed up, and we will never forget it. Daniels licked his uh, thumb and then <gasps> oh uh, yeah, rubbed it on Sammy's phone or his camera. Oh, yeah, okay. That was great. Sammy got real upset because he's a millennial influencer. That's how he... <laughs> he wants that unboxing channel. Yeah. He did. He tried to wipe off the phone, or his... Yeah, he tried to wipe his phone off on Jen Decker's dress, and she, like, ran. I remember that. She was not into it. No, it's gross. Don't you don't want that? I like Sammy's just his like his role now seems to be just feuding with every old person. As all millennials do. Yeah. Except for his father, Chris Jericho. Except for his father, Chris Jericho, yeah. Well, we you know, that's probably the the fi- that'll probably be the final outcome of their relationship. Right. In a couple years. When Jericho finally turns babyface, it's gonna be like Sammy's gonna be like the big heel he goes against. Oh, when was the last time Jericho was a babyface? Uh, his last WWE run. With the list? Yeah, the list ended up becoming a babyface thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Will the lexicon become a babyface? If it ever brings it back, yeah. Is it a real babyface move to talk about all the people you refuse to, like, compete with? (laughs) (laughs) Nope. 
Next up, we have the AEW Women's Championship match, and this is a four-way between Nyla Rose, Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker, and Riho, the current women's champ. Or at the time, the current women's champ. But spoiler alert, she remains the women's champ. (laughs) There was a lot going on in this match, I remember, but I don't think Riho actually was in the ring that much. It seemed like the other three got a lot more action as far as, you know surprise or not surprise but like almost pins you know trying to keep up the suspense it was very sprinty i would say very fast hot action the whole thing the whole affair only lasted 10 minutes and 52 seconds as uh, riho rolled up Britt baker i thought the spot of the match was hikaru shida hitting nyla rose with a falcon arrow for a very 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 near fall to the point that like i didn't buy it and then it got to, like, pass the two count. And then for a split second, I was like, oh, new champion. But then, like, she kicked out. Yeah, I, I was fooled by that near fall. That was a great near fall. Yeah. Yeah, I was too. But I think it's because I just assume Hikaru Shida is, would be the next champion. Maybe this is probably not the time since, you know, uh, there's a match with Chris Statlander next week again for the title. But... Hikaru Shida was the only one in this, I believe, that had a chance. I thought she was kind of the breakout performer of the match. And it's interesting, though, because, you know, they did an angle after the match where Nyla Rose was very angry. And she powerbombed Riho through a table. And they immediately started talking on commentary about how Riho has to defend her title next week against Chris Statlander. And I wonder if... I guess I don't wonder. I mean, I assume that Chris Statlander is going to be our new champion come Wednesday. I think so as well, because they're already setting up Riho to be hurt for next Wednesday. I think you're right by highlighting, you know, Riho being hurt by that table shot that maybe that implies she's not going to be the champion much longer. I also wonder, does this have anything to do with scheduling her? Because it seems like she hasn't been around a lot. And if there's something going on that's preventing her from being here full time. Do you think maybe they're just ready to give it to somebody who is going to be around? Yeah. I I think that's probably a big part of it. I mean, she was supposed to be here two weeks out of the month, but she hasn't been in a match for like a month and a half before. Yeah. Definitely hasn't been the case. Is there something going on with her or is she just scheduled other places? She just scheduled other places. She works her, her primary company is stardom. Oh, okay. Like, I'm looking at her. So she worked AEW on November 6th, November 9th, and November 13th. And then, yeah, so she the, her last match in the United States of America was November 13th before yeah. this match. Month and a half before. Yeah. And in, in between that time, she did she did six startup matches during that during that interim. Okay. That makes sense then. I'd miss Riho, but if she's got more commitments out of, like, her home base, I understand why she wouldn't necessarily be flying to the United States every week or so. I I, I mean, I agree with you, but it just makes me question why they went with her in the first place as the first champion. Because she was the best that they had at that time. Yeah, really weak beginning roster, I think. I mean, it was an incredibly weak women's roster. Yeah, I guess you're probably probably right about that. I think Britt would have ended up with it, if not Riho. And I don't know that she can carry it. 
No. She cannot. So I think Chris will be our new champion on mon- or on Wednesday. I wonder how long. I like Chris Statlander, but I do. I'm very pro Hikaru Shida at this point. I think she's the best one that they have on the women's roster. Well, based on what's been set up so far, you would think that it would go to a Chris versus Nightmare Collective feud. I want Hikaru Shida to have it. I think she. I think she's earned it. I think she's the best that they have. I also think she's the best that they have, but I just, I mean, maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe, maybe Chris will not win the title on Wednesday, but we'll see. I think you're right though. We're probably going to get a bunch of nightmare collective with Chris winning and them pursuing her. And Jenny, I know that we are not looking forward to that. I'm definitely not looking forward to that. The only way they could make that work for me is that if they start that feud Chris just annihilates Awesome Kong and then they break up the Nightmare Collective and start the Executive Collective. That's the only way they can make this work for me now. I was going to say, I think that the likelihood is if Chris wins the title, I could definitely see a one of the matches at Revolution being Chris Statlander defending the title against Awesome Kong. Oh, that's a long way to go. Yeah. Backstage, Joey Janela is being interviewed and <laughs> he gets low blowed off camera and then the camera pans down slowly and we see Penelope Ford and with her obviously Skip Sabian but she was the one to administer the low blow so those two hate Joey Janela. There's a lot of Twitter going on after this between Penelope and and Joey. And Penelope is Joey's ex-girlfriend just kind of giving context to the situation and when they when Kip and Penelope made that promo at full gear and kind of called Joey out, Joey came out and said, I have zero interest in doing a feud with Penelope. I I don't want any part of it. So he's sure changed his tune in a month and a half. So Joey Janela tweeted out on uh, January 2nd, Hey, Penelope Ford, if you wanted to touch my penis again, all you had to do was ask. Oh, wow. Penelope Ford responded, I'm surprised I could even find it. Now, Kip Sabian's is so much easier to place. Um, is this shoot? Like, are we doing shoot? Janella responded with, hey, now calm down, Tammy. This penis got you a contract. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah. That's not true, is it? I don't know. I mean, he probably made connections. I'm not saying she didn't earn a contract, but a lot of, I feel like the people that signed on knew somebody, you know? I really don't like that comment at all, saying that Joey got her this job. That's bullshit. Joey Janelle is back on my hate list. Then uh, Penelope Ford's account replied, uh, Hey champ, Kip here. Sorry, but Penelope can't make it to the phone right now. Her hands are full. So is her mouth, if we're being honest. Oh my god, this is disgusting. Wow, it went from like 0 to 11. Hope your mom's making you something nice for dinner. Remember to eat your vegetables. That's disgusting. Janella replied with, Too much information, Kipperu. You must be pretty bored because you, you and I know she isn't very good at that. Maybe you don't know because you only had sex with two girls in your entire life. Oh my god. This is so juvenile. What is happening? <laughs> And it's making Penelope 
like just into this like uh, what would you two boys not, fighting over their prize basically i'm uh, not even that i'm just like that she's just this like thing that can give blowjobs and touch penises apparently not very well that's disgusting i hate this so much i did not hear the last couple yeah you just saw the first two right yeah, yeah. oh it's, my god but they really do they really dislike each other i mean this is this seems real right I, am i getting played here i mean uh, if you're even asking then i mean i guess it's effective right there's just so much like weird um you know how usually there's a grain of truth and stuff this just seems so what actually happened and uh bitterness a lot of bitterness in in the mix yeah so i mean i guess i would expect that to be a match for the pay-per-view so here's the thing and why i think it might be partially real at least is because if joey said he didn't want to do this angle like anything with Penelope. I don't think that this storyline is compelling enough that people were like clamoring for it. So why would it be happening? What changed his mind unless there was some real thing going on in the background? You know, it's not like anybody's like, we have to see Joey Janela face Kip Sabian. It is match of the year. I don't know. I mean, maybe he just decided to, you know, put aside and, you know, do, do what's best for business as far as like, this is the direction they wanted to go. And, I'm sure he's not doing what's best for business. It's probably just whatever's going to make him the most money, sell the most shirts, get him the most over. I'm so, I know. We let him be. We let him be most evolved last week. (laughs) And I regret it already. We should never have made a decision based on two weeks worth of stuff. I'm not okay with this. I guess that if, even if it is best for the business, it's confusing to me why the business thinks that this is a good angle because it don't. I just don't get it. It's I mean, I just, don't love the. I don't love the Twitter part. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with doing a babyface against like a heel adversary and his and his ex. Oh, I don't either. Like the storyline doesn't bother me. The Twitter does, but the the core like idea of the storyline doesn't. It's just more. I just don't understand why anybody. But this would be a priority, you know, like if the, these were two maybe top tier stars, sure, fine. You just need an excuse to put them together. But these are two like mid card at best guys who don't this feud just isn't doesn't seem that important, you know. But if if, if they if the program ends up getting them over, then you they if, and they both come out looking, you know, as bigger stars for it, then I mean, that's you know, that's that's, you know. That's one of the ways you elevate people is by just, you know, giving them something meaningful to do on the show. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm just not, I don't care anything about this. Even before the weird Twitter heat, it's just, okay, like, I guess this is going to happen. <laughs> I always like the idea of it because I like things that are somewhat rooted in reality, but I, I'm not a fan of the, like, the, the it's like, if you if you think it's real, then they both and Penelope all just come off like like gross people you wouldn't want to associate with. And if you think it's fake, then it's not going to really affect you anyway. I'm I think that's you got to the heart of it is if this is real, then they all sound like garbage people in this moment. <laughs> yeah, I've always had an issue with you guys saying that Joey Janela is a baby face and this just proves that he's not. You're not a baby face when you demean and 
ultra sexualize women in a demeaning way. I'm over Joey Janela. I'm over Kip and Penelope at this point. We let them be couple of the year in our beaties. Did we? Yes. Huh. And look at how they turned on us. Look at how they turned on us immediately. (laughs) So after all that mess, we get a message from the Dark Order. So this is just a video package that kind of recaps the end of the uh, December 18th Dynamite. Which is the last show before you know before the holiday break, and not much to it except Evil Uno is the one you know speaking to us, and he mentions an exalted one. Oh my god! So that tells me that there is like a higher power. They have God now. In the Dark Order, and that may actually be a good thing because if we're gonna have to have the Dark Order. Maybe maybe they found someone who can actually like cut promos. Uh, like they found a Jesus Christ that's going to cut promos for them. No, they found they, a, they found a leader who can talk better than Evil Uno, and maybe who has more credibility than Evil Uno. I thought Evil Uno was a leader. Well, he's not. He's talking to some exalted one. They found a Jim Jones, not a Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the three names that have been bandied about this past week, or since Wednesday, I should say. Brody Lee, who uh, people may remember as Luke Harper in the World Wrestling Entertainment Company. Oh, God, I hated Luke. (laughs) And he wasn't even the leader of the cult he was in in WWE. So how is he going to be the exalted one, the one above the current leader of this stupid-ass cult? Uh, The second name being bandied about, Marty Skrull. (gasps) No, come on who does currently lead a, a faction of evil people called Villain Enterprises and has a lot of, uh, you know, being a longtime member of Bullet Club also has a lot of experience with that. And the third name... Don't ruin Marty. <laughs> You've already ruined Brandy. Don't ruin my Marty. And the third name, which I find to be both the most plausible and I think the most enticing option... Someone who is soon to be out of contract with the World Wrestling Entertainment Company, Matt Hardy. Weird. What about his brother? He is in contract. They have different contracts? Well, Jeff has been hurt for a long time, so you know how that goes in WWE. Your contract gets frozen. Mm. But Matt is a good talker, has a weird imagination, is very good friends with the Young Bucks, and beyond all that, is just has proven to be able to you know, do this kind of gimmick in the past with the whole uh, broken universe thing. Megan, what do, what would you think if we end up with Matt Hardy as the exalted one in the Dark Order? I would be is happy it, with that. Okay, I, yeah, right. That's a plus at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, I think of those three, especially, he is the most appropriately uh, fitting in tone and look and and his character work. And I just think he could actually make this thing fun to watch. I agree. I was so I hope it ends up being him. I who knows what, what's actually going to happen. But Jenny, you're, you're having you have a look on your face. What are your thoughts? Well, it can be the third iteration of the Dark Order that fails. <laughs> Jenny is not yeah. into the Dark Order at this point. It seems. I mean, I'm not either, but I I, I don't think they're going to give up on it. So I guess if they're not giving up on it, like of those people that you mentioned, Matt is the least that I'm offended by. I'm truly offended that Marty was in that 
list. I mean, this is just fan speculation. You know, this isn't like. That really blows my mind that that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. When is his contract up? Pretty soon. His recent Twitter game has been kind of like reflecting on his WWE years and like saying like, thanks for everything, basically. The next match we have is Trent versus John Moxley. And Trent is accompanied by Orange Cassidy for this match. And also Chuck, but I feel like Orange Cassidy is the active player here. Um, Trent does really well, honestly. He puts up a lot of offense, but ultimately Moxley gets him, gets the win over him. Um, and there's some stuff that happens after the match, but before we get into that, do you want to, either of you want to comment on the content of the match itself? I really like what they're doing with Trent because it seems like, um, you know how we've talked about how it's nice that AEW, like different characters will sometimes have more than one feud going on at the same time. And it's like, it gives you kind of layers and different things to look at versus being so single-minded. Yeah. I feel like they've, they've kind of given Trent this dual purpose role where he is a tag team wrestler and a singles wrestler at the same time. Yeah, they're really giving him a lot to do as far as singles are concerned, without taking away from his tag team efforts, I think. But he's been yeah. doing really well recently. He has, he has been. He's looked great in all these matches, all these singles matches. Yeah, they're really trying to make Trent happen, mm-hmm. and I think he will happen. I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it's happening. I mean, best friends are the, the act is very over, especially with Orange Cassidy there. You know? Yeah, I don't know that the act would be as over if Orange wasn't there. But it would be. But... Trent definitely looks impressive in his singles matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish he didn't real tan for his <laughs> yeah. face. But... So as not to look like the oldest 32-year-old in the world. Yep. Also like skin cancer. Come on, Trent. We have science telling us this is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of science, I, I don't know if this is the right time to bring this up, but is Chris Jericho a flat earther? Because he's been promoting, while he's in Tokyo Mm -hmm. doing this uh, Wrestle Kingdom spot, he's promoting his newest Talk is Jericho episode with some fucking flat earther. And he posted this whole thing about, like, I think it had, like, a video, or it was just a lot of text, I can't remember, about why flat earthing is, like, interesting and potentially plausible. Mm -hmm. Like, what? What are you talking about? Jericho has Jericho's interests are. I would. I, I don't think he's like. <sighs> Megan, I, I'm gonna like ask you to like kind of evaluate what I'm about to say about Chris Jericho and see if it lines up with what you think about Chris Jericho. Sure, sure. <laughs> I don't think he's a conspiracy nut, but I think he's very interested in conspiracy theories, mm. and so he has a lot of people on his podcast. He has a lot of weirdos on his podcasts. Like he'll have like like Bigfoot hunters and flat earthers, and he'll he'll do special episodes just talking about conspiracies and like JFK conspiracies, and you know he's, he's it's just something he's very interested in. He literally wrote, "This person thinks NASA and Disney are the same company." Okay, I don't think Chris Jericho thinks that. <laughs> he's promoting it. Megan, would you like to assess any of that? What I said, um, based on his podcast guests, I think. I, I agree with what you're saying, because he definitely does have, like, he has ghost hunters on, I, maybe the same ghost hunters, but I think there's been multiple episodes about ghost hunting, mm-hmm. and um, 
in his Moxley interview, at least one of them, they talked about Bigfoot a lot. And yeah, That's I right. think the first the first time when it was Dean Ambrose, the first time he was on the podcast, they they barely talked about wrestling. They just talked about like um like cryptozoology for the most part. Yeah, yeah. So I think he definitely has an interest in it. I can't vouch for what his actual beliefs are, but I I mean, I like weird stuff too, so I'm not gonna fault him for it. I think it's interesting to hear conspiracy theories and stuff. That doesn't mean I believe them or anything. It's just kind of entertaining to hear what other people have to say about those things, such as flat earthing. Uh, I've never heard Jericho make flat earthers like claims before. I will say that like never in any podcast episodes or anything like that. Has he ever made the proclamation that the earth is flat? So I don't know where he stands on it, but I could, I could see definitely being interested in sitting down with someone and just listening to like theories, because if you don't believe it, then that's funny one way. If you do believe it, believe it, then I guess that's entertaining in a different way. But I, I don't have enough evidence to say Jericho's a flat earther. I don't think there's anything wrong with being interested in alternative things or um, wanting to hear about other types of theories and, and people's thoughts and things like that. However, I think it is irresponsible in this day and age, especially to be a public f- figure, to be the face of a company the face that children look up to and to be supporting crazy ass theories like flat earthing that are going against science because the same people that the same logic used to support flat earthing is also being used to support that the the climate change that climate change is a hoax so i think you have a responsibility as a public figure to be mindful of how you're presenting that type of stuff because I don't think as, and especially if you don't believe it like I don't think you should be putting yourself in a position where you're promoting these types of things that are currently hurting our our world like I, facts are facts and to be saying that a fact isn't a fact is a dangerous place to be when you're a public figure I mean, I think that you're right about like it's the same, it's the same like process that gets you to those different things. Yeah. But I also think that there is a great difference between them, and that I think I think like flat Earth crackpots. I think I think that's pretty victimless mm. in a way that climate deniers are not. Not if you're, not if you're saying that the government is completely lying to us that you know, we never went to the, like things like, like we've never gone to the moon. And I think that they also kind of feed upon each other a little bit. Like if what we think about our atmosphere and our globe isn't real or or what we were taught in school isn't real, then the environment and climate stuff isn't real either. I think you can get there pretty easily. Now I, I think it's totally harmless to talk about Bigfoot and and other things like that. That's that's honestly not hurting anyone. I just think this flat earthing stuff feels really close to the people that deny climate change. I do agree with you about the platform thing. Like, like that is one aspect of it. Jericho does have that maybe like you know some randos talking about flat Earths on their podcast uh, don't have and uh, I actually can kind of see Jenny's point because. The Earth isn't flat, guys. <laughs> science, it's not. science has proven that, and um, 
And if you can deny that in your brain, the science behind that in your brain, I, I don't think it is a far leap to deny climate change, which is, in fact, something that hurts us all. But uh, in this day and age, especially, I think it's a little it's a time to be more sensitive because um, both sides are not always equal. And uh, I don't think you have to present both sides as equal all the time. And I don't think Jericho is going to give a hard hitting interview about how science is right and flat earthing is wrong. But it, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this, but the earth isn't flat. It is a sphere. So, you know, science, it's good. So I like this Trent versus John Moxley match. It was uh, (laughs) a... On the round earth? (laughs) Yeah. It was 11 minutes of fury. I mean, if the earth was round, how did they stay on the ring during this match? Honestly, if it was... If it was spinning, how'd we not all fall over? You know, right? <laughs> um, the Orange Cassidy spot where he got in the ring and uh, put his hands in his pockets and then John Moxley uh, did the same in kind was excellent. That was an aggressive thrust that Moxley did. I hope he doesn't do that to Renee. Well, he got that. I'm sure he aggressively thrusts her. But he got... He got <laughs> he, he His match was interrupted. He was pissed. Well, I, but that was an aggressive... Hip thrust. He was, he was also easily twice the size of Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Again, it's corn and sunshine. Yeah. Versus, Thank I don't you, know where, I don't know where Orange Cassidy is from. Florida? It's, Florida. I just want to say I'm that because he's orange juice. I'm guessing like Philly, somewhere in that area. Somewhere in the Pennsylvania region. Um, it was just freshly squeezed out of the flat earth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Trent, great. Moxley, great. Moxley continues to look amazing. Um... Leaving WWE is the best thing he, best decision he ever made after marrying his wife. Yeah. Yeah, he made a good decision on marrying his wife, though. They're in Tokyo together right now. She's having a great time. She's buying too many kimonos, she says. <laughs> I love Renee. <laughs> As she's having a full on Lost in Translation time, it sounds like. She's like wandering aw- around by herself without him, like exploring the city. Hmm. That's fun. Hopefully not in the like sad, depressing way that Scarlett I was, Johansson. I was does. gonna say that didn't work out great for their marriage. Well, we don't know. We never saw. Oh, he's from New Jersey, of course he is. Okay, <laughs> so I was right in that area. Yeah, because he was a Chikara guy, so I knew mm, he had to be from that, makes like, sense. that area. Yeah. Oh yeah. So after the match, there was some things happening because if you'll recall that the inner circle is very interested in having John Moxley join them, and he's kind of like playing coy, doesn't have an answer for them yet. So Sammy comes out and he's like, hey, just wanted to check in on you. We we still want you to be part of the inner circle. And also, Chris has a message for you. And then it cuts to the big screen where we get a video of Jericho. He's he's with this absolutely wild sports car. Like it just so expensive. Makes no sense. The I think the doors open the way DeLoreans do, which, yeah. you know. That's how you know it's unnecessary. This car was, this car was hot shit. <laughs> Megan, you should say the way Lamborghinis open, not DeLorean. Well, DeLorean invented that. Well, yeah, but like Lamborghinis, the like upscale, fancy ass version Look, you, of the DeLorean. You have your reference point. I have mine. <laughs> um, so uh, Jericho's offering this car to John Moxley. He even already has bought the the vanity plate that just says Mox. Um, and in addition to that, he offers him forty nine percent of the inner circle as a vice president, which I don't even know that they have any sort of 
LLC set up or something, but well, I he guess... Said it was, he said it was Inner Circle LLC, so clearly they do. Oh, okay. Well, good for, I guess, good businessing, but I guess John Moxley has a chance to have 49% of it. Way to set up an LLC instead of going with a partnership, because you have limited liability. It's the best <laughs> of the corporation That's setups. That's what the LL stands for. Well, yeah, it, it does, but... Uh, it's better than the limited liability partnership. It's better than all of them. You mm-hmm. need the LLC if you're going to set up a corporation, guys. Okay. The inner circle is serious about business, clearly. Now, Although- he, was, he was in front of Daly's Place, but clearly not actually there at the time that they that this aired. He was renewing his vows with his wife yeah. for their 20th wedding anniversary. Yep. I mean, good for them, but... I just think it's funny that he... W- I mean, he lives in Tampa, so it's not too far away. But he, he came to the venue to do the pre-tape. But then, you know... <laughs> yeah, well, he could have done that on any day, though, too. Well, yeah, I know. I thought I thought for a minute, like, oh, well, he must have just gone to Tokyo early. But no, he, the next day, posted pictures of, like, him and his wife. No, he was in Tokyo house. early. Because his, his, his match isn't until the uh, second Tokyo Dome night. Right. But he and his son went to... They're having a little, like... You know, Japan adventure. Together. That's really nice. Yeah, oh, I'd like fun. to have a Japan adventure. Yeah, but not flat, flat earthing. No, while there, his wife is fucking gorgeous. Jessica. Yes. God damn. Jessica Jericho. Yeah, and his kids are really cute. So even with the offer of this car and a forty-nine percent ownership of the Inner Circle, which how did the other members feel? We don't know. Uh, Moxley. I- Oh. I'm sorry, Megan. I was just going to say, I assume that it's just Jericho that owns 100% now. Yes, he clarified that on Twitter. Oh, okay, good. Because people on Twitter <laughs> were trying to figure out, like, so so it's going to be a 50-50 split, or a 49-49 split, and then who owns the other 2%? Is it split up between Proud and Powerful and Hager and, no. and Sammy? And Jericho's like, I own 100%. Yeah, he wouldn't give up the power. That's yeah. why he was only offering 49%, right. since he could still have controlling rights. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad we settled that because I was like, <laughs> "Are the other members mad that they don't get any shares?" I just assumed they didn't get any shares, but the other members know that they're not getting anything. Nah, they're getting an education in how to be a good heel, and that's priceless. Priceless. Yeah. So after this, though, despite all the those offerings, it's the beautiful DeLorean opening car. Um, John Moxley says, you know what, I'll let you know next week. And then he leaves. Well, no, like, specifically, he wants to do it. And he wants to get, he, he said that he, you know, Jericho, he considers Jericho a friend and a mentor. And he wants to give him the answer. Yes, person. you're right. You're right. Sorry, that is a good point. Because I think we all know what it means when somebody needs to see you in per- person to, like, do something. Yeah, yeah, you always need to, if you respect the person, you always break up with them in person. Yes. And if you're trying to give them the paradigm shift, then I assume you you have to do that in person, too. It's hard to do over the video screen? Yeah. Text. Hard to do to a pre-tape. Um, no, I really like this. Jacksonville, of course, booed because they were not getting the answer that they wanted to hear right then. But Well, it had been advertised that John Moxley will give his answer at Jacksonville. It had not. It had been, it had been, the, it had been promoted as John Moxley will respond to Chris Jericho's offer. Right. Respond to Chris Jericho's offer. Okay, I will say this. He was given, like, Jericho upped the offer 
Moxley has to go back and like you know get with his lawyers, talk to his wife. You know he's got to he's got to consider everything over again. Talk to his mom that Jericho knows. That's right. Yeah, she's a great lady. Oh yeah. So Best I like friends. this because I think that the, I think that there's a certain amount of reprogramming that we kind of have to do on a quarterly pay per view schedule where things have to take more time. Things have to like you have to like kind of tease things out week by week. Whereas with like a with a monthly pay per view schedule, the angles are going to come more fast and furious, and they're they're going to get to the resolution a lot more quickly. But you know, we still got a lot of time before this pay per view. So, assuming this is the main event, they gotta you know they gotta. I'm sure they have a, a roadmap to get to their final destination. Do you guys think this is another Goldilocks situation where a month is too short but a quarter is too long? Do you think they should be doing bi monthly? pay-per-views instead of quarterly i always like the idea of bi-monthly pay-per-views but no company's ever done it yeah because i i do i think the monthly is too quick they're always trying to rush things and they can't tell multiple storylines at the same time they've just got to focus on the one person that they're trying that because they only have three to four to five weeks depending Mm -hmm. on the cadence um but i think that quarterly feels a little bit too far yeah i mean i kind of i kind of agree now there was a you know, a fairly long stretch of time where WWE, sorry, where WWF, uh, pre-E, uh, did quarterly pay-per-views. So from like 1988 to 1993, WWF only did four pay-per-views a year. But, you know, it's just such a different era, though. It's hard to compare. Well, and everything in this era, especially, is moving so quickly and you've got social media. So you can have the extra, at least AEW is letting people, whether they should or not, Kip Sabian, Joey Janela, and Penelope Ford. <laughs> tell their story on social media between like it's moving so fast that it feels like a really long time then when you're not only getting it on dynamite you're getting it on dark you're getting on bte you're getting it on social media it's it's a long time to wait for those 13 weeks to the next Mm pay-per-view there's also like um their roster is smaller by a lot yes. compared to WWE. So you can't even like divert to other stories when you're trying to take a break between like building these things up. So you do kind of have to go faster just because you need something on your program. I, I'm not, I'm not really having a problem with the pace so far. I'm enjoying it actually. Like I think this Jericho Moxley thing has been done, done very well. No, I think it is. It, it has been done well as I agree. It's been done well. I'm just wondering if we're going to start having issues with the pace once we get past the holidays and past the next pay-per-view. Because they even took a week off because of the holidays. Things like, and and in November, there's the Thanksgiving holidays, so people are kind of diverted. December is always kind of a, people aren't paying as much attention month. I feel like we're going to feel like it's a long time between Revolution and Double or Nothing. I mean, we've got seven more Dynamites to go before... That feels like a long time. But I mean, you know, Megan, I mean, we have we have experience with this as like NXT fans. This is like kind of the this is pretty much the pacing of takeovers. But NXT only had at the time and and I don't know now because they have the weekly show and everything, which I know they did before, but they only had It's a it's a longer show now. It's a double the length show. They so they're only mm. having 1 hour a week show yeah they weren't letting the people really be on social media much they didn't have that extra dark show 
their show was half as long as the Dynamite show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing is I I don't have a problem with the pacing at all. I just think it's it's paced in a way that makes sense, but it also moves faster just by default because it's a two-hour show with less people to spread around. So I think monthly pay-per-views would be too much, but at the same time, what happens a lot with monthly pay-per-views is because you can't tie up the storyline in a month, you do the same matches two pay-per-views in a row, you know, or you have some crossover there. So I agree that like a a bi-monthly would be great. Um, I guess a quarterly is what we're going to get, but it, the pacing week to week is good. It just seems like it's harder to drag out a storyline in a way that makes sense to be quarterly. I like I like that they they only want us to give them fifty dollars four times a year instead of six times a year. Yeah, that's always great. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that aspect. Yeah, keep the quarterly ones. <laughs> or start some kind of network where we can just get them all for one price. Next up, we have a match with Sammy Guevara facing off against Dustin Rhodes because they hate each other. Um, I believe Dustin sneak attacks him before the match begins. Yes, uh, Dustin's music and video play, but he does not come out on the ramp. He comes from behind instead. Okay. Um, yeah, unfortunately for him, it that doesn't really play out well. I mean, he still loses the match, but there is some interference from Jake Hager, who gives him a low blow and allows uh, Sammy to pin him. So Hager is still in the mix. And Dustin loses, and uh, the ref did not see it. So we get one of those interferences that actually works out for the bad guy. Sammy's now on a win streak because he beat Brandon Cutler on dark, and he uh, picks up a win over Dustin. So he's got his first two singles wins in AEW coming pretty close together. But he's a bit of a cheater, isn't he? Well, you know, win if you can, lose if you must, but always, always cheat. Words to live by. It's uh, D- Jesse the Body Ventura, uh, I believe, was coined that phrase. Now we have a platform, so that's irresponsible to say. I can be the heel of this podcast. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> this match uh, felt like they were on separate pages for a lot of it to me. Like there was some good stuff in it, but it didn't flow the way that most AEW matches flow. Because it's usually a lot of similar style guys wrestling together. Yeah, that's fair. They, these two are definitely... And I don't know. And then it might be a Sammy problem. Because I thought Sammy's match with Brandon Cutler was very clunky too. I was going to say the exact same thing. You said last week that you thought it was very sloppy and and choppy. Yeah. And usually Dustin is like, you know, smooth as silk. Because he's just so experienced. Dustin did some cool stuff. He did a he did a somersault uh, sent on off the apron. He did a frigging Canadian Destroyer on the... The on the apron, which looked crazy. They actually caught that. Yeah, they actually cameras. they saw both of his high risk moves uh, this evening. <laughs> I wonder. So, is a is Jake Hager ever going to wrestle? And B, shouldn't Dustin be more like angry with Jake because he's the one? I mean, I know he his he he did this promo about how like you were filming the attack, and it's like yeah, but Jake slammed your arm in the door. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would be more upset about the person who slammed my arm in the door than the person who was just filming it. Yeah, me too, but whatever. I mean, pride is more important to him than physical health. 
I think, is what we're seeing. So this, uh, I, I, I don't know if this is just like the beginning of a Sammy push because he's going to wrestle Daniels next week. And I assume he's going to beat Chris Daniels because he's yeah. young and on the come up. And Daniels is, you know, he, you know, he literally has an office job and I don't really think needs, he doesn't need to beat Sammy Guevara the same way that Sammy Guevara would benefit from beating Christopher Daniels. It feels like they're even kind of phasing him out of FCU because he's not the tag team champion and he's not even with them all the time because he was hurt for a while. Yeah, but I mean, that's... But that, I figure there has to be some kind of redemption in this story for him. I just don't think it's going to come against Sammy Guevara because it wouldn't be productive for him to beat Sammy Guevara. I think he'll get a redemption story and it should be against Pentagon. So after that match, we go backstage with Alex Marvez, who is interviewing current women's champion Riho. And Michael Nakazawa is there with her for this interview. Presumably to translate. Um, yeah, so this whole thing was strange because he asked her about, like, A, about her successful title defense, B, about her match next week against Chris Statlander, and C, about, like, having just been put through a table by Nyla Rose. So she's already dealing with a lot. And before she even gets a chance to respond, Britt Baker bursts in, and she's mad that she got pinned. And she's like, you just come out of nowhere and you pin me. And, like... I'm here all the time. You're you're never here. I'm like I'm like a full time wrestler here, and I'm running my dental practice on the side. <laughs> and and she was real bad. It seemed definitely like she was turning heel. And the whole time I'm just thinking like, hold on. Like again, we talk about how it's cool that in this company, like we talked about it with the MJF and Cody feud, and then how that kind of splintered into the Blade and the Bunny. And uh, the butcher for a couple of weeks, and how it was nice that like Cody can, you know, Cody can do more than one thing at once, and 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 just and Jericho is dealing with Moxley, but he's also dealing with Jungle Boy, and like, so this is where I think they went too far. Yep. Riho is the women's champion, and hasn't been there for a month and a half. Has been there for a month and a half. She has a match against Chris Statlander next week. She was power bombed through a table by Nyla Rose tonight. And then she has Britt Baker running in to turn heel on her also and yell at her. This is too many things going on for Riho. And on her first night back. Yeah. Like, it would be different if these things had happened over the course of three weeks or two weeks even. Yeah. It's just, we haven't seen her since the show after Full Gear. Yeah. I think we saw one quick close-up of her in the crowd. Yes. Like, it, she was, she was watching the, the Chris Statlander Hikaroshida match. And I think even the last thing we saw her on wrestling was a dark match. So that it was. I'm sorry, it was Hikar- it was Britt Baker and Chris Statlander, not you know. Yeah. So it's just it's like you bring her back and then you make you create three feuds with her immediately. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like throwing I, a dart at the ball. Yeah, it was at um, the wall. I it just it seemed like Three is too many. Mm-hmm. Three is too many for anybody, I think. For a podcast as well. So I'll see myself out then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was meant, that was aimed at me. Anyway, Megan, what do you think? Do you think that's like, it, did it seem to you like they were just like super serving like uh, Riho storylines or, or do you see it differently? Um, no, I agree. Like, I think they're super serving them because it seems like she is busy elsewhere and this is maybe the only chance you really get to establish some stuff. Mm -hmm. 
But I don't, I mean, I don't think, I wouldn't call Nyla Rose somebody who's starting a feud with her. I think she put her through the table as part of the losing to the Chris Statlander. So they're really shoving together her, and and again, speculating, her losing the title, but also then immediately having somebody to transition into a feud with as far as Britt Baker's concerned. And they probably could have just like, done the angle with Chris Statlander and then had Britt Baker come up later and, you know, spit venom at her. It just, it all happened so quickly. Like Britt Baker could have approached her before her match next week, which would also add to her, like maybe throwing her off a little bit. And then you could start that feud instead of just doing it all tonight in one big thing. So like, I think a lot's going on. I think if you parcel it out and maybe, spread it around to a few shows it all makes total sense as far as what they're trying to do it just it's a lot in one segment they should have at least put it on dark this whole segment i feel like they should have at least put it on dark could have happened the same night could have gotten the same amount of rehost time during the night but you would have put it the night before the big show with chris to her losing okay but then you don't like see but that's like the whole problem of dark though right it's like they don't ever reference the stuff that happens on dark on dynamite Oh, that's right. Yeah. They we, do a horrible job we give of them connecting shit about that all, all the of time. these things. You're right. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I just... Poor Riho. Like, she's just getting piled on here. Why don't I, we just, like, on Dark, see every single woman on the roster come up to her and start screaming in her face about something, and then put talk together a whole video package that you play right before the match with Chris on Dynamite of the 20 women on the roster... Yelling in her face. So while that's going on elsewhere backstage, uh, apparently in a bar area that is exclusive to Private Party, Adam Page is pouring himself a drink while Private Party is hanging out. And they take issue with that because, like, he just drank, like, $12 worth of booze, I think was the amount. Say you owe us. And Adam Page is... um, he says he can beat them both up, I believe, and then and then he takes his drink and he goes because he has uh, other places to be for this particular show, but it was just like a weird interaction. Um, Adam Page is clearly spiraling, and Private Party, they're just there to have fun, you know? Also, he was wearing the most amazing, flowery, like, country western singer circa 1975 t- uh, uh, shirt. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was very great. loud. Yeah. Oh, lots of flowers and embroidery. Yeah. I like this. It was good foreshadowing. Yeah. He said he could kick both of their asses. He could. He probably could. He could. They're not big I mean, guys. I mean, but if, that. They, if they came at him in a handicap match, are you sure? Well, I don't know. They don't allow handicap matches in, in AEW. He ain't going to have to get a token partner. <laughs> but then use the partner. Fucking Cody Liar. Nyla Rose <laughs> did not use Leva Bates. No, no, because she's not a liar. She's she's she likes the word duty and to talk about Black Friday a lot, but she's not a liar. She Sorry. almost kills Michael Nakazawa, but she's not a liar. Yep. What a fun endorsement of Nyla Rose that was. <laughs> so another snappy dresser in the business, I would argue, is MJF. And he comes out for the next segment with his boy Wardlow, also in a suit. These two just look professional as hell, constantly, I guess. Um, MJF is here to talk about Cody. 
And remember how we were mad about Cody saying, like, I'll never, or no, Cody being mad that MJF said he would never face him. Um, MJF is here to say he will. He will face him, but he wants to pick the stipulations for Cody's next match, and that is that Wardlow will be the opponent, and Cody will do this fight with Wardlow in a steel cage, which is, I guess, going to be the first AEW steel cage match ever. So that's pretty exciting. They didn't say what so they didn't say when this would be, right? No, they just said that Cody has to do this fight before MJF will even entertain ma- a match with him. Now Cody and MJF's fight has to be a revolution. That's right. That's also what MJF said cuz he's smart and he wants those pay-per-view points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this match is going to happen presumably then on just a typical Wednesday night show at some it'll point. Be, it'll be on dark Oh God! Is what if it is cage match? <laughs> what if it's the main event of Dark? <laughs> and yes, and and you neglected to mention the other big stipulation is that after he beats Wardlow, if he can even do that, then he has to get down on his hands and knees like a dog and take ten lashes from MJF's belt. Oh yeah, it got weirdly like kind of BDSM. Yep. Is it sexual up in here? Because I was like, what? MJF, what a weird stipulation you put forth. Yeah. So I, I'm i a fan of the steps, and I can, I can see it going just the way that uh, that it's laid out. Like, he, he, he beats Wardlow in the cage, and then he takes the lashings. But what I think would be even better is if he does the match with Wardlow, the cage match, he beats him. By the way, we're going to see what Wardlow's hair looks like when it's down. <laughs> Wait, because we have just, to, right? What if he just wrestles with the man bun? I don't think. I, th- I think it'll fall out. Not if you put some bobby pins in there too. Like really secure it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so so he does the match with Ward, and then so presumably the next week after that is when he has to take his lashings, and he so he has MJF in the ring. And he rips that strap away and he just beats the ever-loving shit out of MJF with him. Totally humiliates him. And then, so he can't get the match from MJF because he broke the stipulation. But it doesn't even matter because now MJF wants to fight Cody. Because he's humiliated and he's angry. So you get out of making... Because I think I think that would make Cody look a little bad if he just takes the ten whippings. Yeah. You so, think yeah, it would make bad. him look a little bad? Yeah. Real so, bad. So I think that if they do it that way, this way, where he, where Cody turns the tables on MJF, and then it's MJF who is the one who's actually like really hot for the match, I think that would work too. I like that. I, I hope that's how it goes because I really don't want to see Cody just like lay down and take it. Yeah. And his other stipulation is that Cody can't touch him before Revolution, which also would alleviate that because no touching. No touching. <laughs> no touching. <laughs> but anyway, I thought this was good. I liked the promo. Yeah, MJF's always a good promo. I know Jenny's not the, the biggest fan, but she it's thinks hard that to MJF like basically like hawks a loogie on the on the camera every time they do the close. He does. There it was an, another one. I I could barely see him. There were so many spit marks on that camera. They had to wipe it. They had to cut to another camera so they could wipe it off, and then he spit on it again. I could still see spit marks. It's he disgusting. Just gets, he gets worked up. He gets a froth going, you know? Well, then he needs to control 
his anger. You need to calm down. You need to calm down. He's getting too spitty. The main event was a six-man tag match. It was the Elite, who are the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, in case you've forgotten, versus Pac and the Lucha Brothers. And in a sign of unity, Omega and the Bucks actually all came out together. To the B to the, Elite. The B and the Elite theme B song. B E Elite. Yeah, it's been, oh, it's so nice, you know, to, like, get get the band back together. Oh, the gang's all together. And, like, semi-matching gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they did sort of, like, color coordinate. Yeah. Color coordinate, yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, the energy was with them this night because the, this match was awesome. Look at all these high flyers and flippy men. And the good guys got the win. Kenny... Got to get the pin to get the win. That's right. He pinned Ray Phoenix with a one-winged angel. 12 minutes, 51 seconds. And this was all action all the time. They took a commercial break, and a lot of really hot stuff happened, including Phoenix rope stuff happened on the picture-in-picture, which is infuriating. Oh, so annoying. Megan, you wouldn't have even seen that if you weren't with us. No, and I mean, you have a beautiful TV. It's very large. Great picture crisp you know but still it was happening in this tiny little box in the corner and i just think ray phoenix deserves better i agree you shouldn't be doing rope amazing work he probably didn't know that you know well he should know they should have some sort of lighting system like a signal or something yeah like there should be a light somewhere down on the floor somewhere near a barricade that is one color or isn't lit or something like that. It's when the, it's the grab a chin lock light. And like, <laughs> I just like. Yeah, quick, stop doing cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. On camera. Save it. It would be so easy to let your wrestlers know what's going on. And I, I can't believe that they wouldn't have a light like that. So this was, this was more than we can possibly recap. It was, it was just a, a million moves a minute. One of those, one of those really great Young Bucks matches that you, you know, that you. Honestly, it's it's the kind of match that typifies the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers and every permutation of that. Um, and then after the match, Cody came out to celebrate because the Elite had, uh, you know, they'd made a they'd made a big comeback after their uh, their down ending to 2019. And uh, we didn't even mention Hangman Page was on commentary mm-hmm. um, and became a meme. As his uh, Chiron read, uh, Adam Hangman Adam Page has been drinking. Was his little uh, little title. So our friend Dave was over to watch the show with us, and he read that as has been like done up, old has been. Yeah, washed up. Washed up, Adam drinking. Wait, has been has been comma drinking. <laughs> exactly, has <laughs> been parentheses washed up. Comma, drinking Adam Page. And he's sitting there on commentary with Taz and Tony and Excalibur, and he's drinking, this, you know, whatever he got from a private party. The $12, uh, just, I think it was Whiskey on the Rocks. Yeah. Um, might not have been any rocks, I don't know. Uh, there were definitely ice cubes. Okay. And he, so he's just, he's very sad. You can tell he's depressed about, you know, because uh, I believe at one point, Excalibur asks him, or maybe Taz asked him if he had any advice for like what was going on for the guys in the ring, and I think he said like, "Well, I don't know why they'd want to ask me for advice right now." 
I know, right? Is it heartbreaking? <laughs> it's heartbreaking. And he's been drinking for weeks because he's so sad about this. But anyway, a clip of the video of him, of his, of his uh, Chiron. So there's a, there's a great gif that I'm looking at right now where Hangman starts to bring the glass up to his uh, mouth, but then realizes he's on camera. He turns to look at the camera, has a surprised look on his face. He smiles. And that clip has been edited into about 10 uh, sitcom openings to this point. Really? The best of which is the Full House uh, opening. So you can hear the uh, Everywhere You Look song uh, playing underneath uh, Adam Page giving a big surprise smile to the camera. Oh my gosh. I lo- I, wa- I just keep watching it. Um, <laughs> the gif? Yep. Yeah. Well, with the music, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can't hear it, so I thought it was okay. Yeah, um, yeah, it's fine. But I didn't realize there were other sitcom openings. I mean, obviously this one wins, but it, it it's it's so wonderful to know there are other variations. I believe and, I saw it and I believe I saw it with the Family Matters theme attached as well. Oh, yes. Okay, that's See, that's the theme, classic heartwarming 90s sitcoms. Mhm. That makes sense. You get some perfect strangers up in there, to be quite honest. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm never going to stop looking at this. <laughs> but, he really so, does the perfect intro face. He do, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, He's perfect. God gave with both hands. Yeah, that's what I hear about him. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so so the, the upshot of all this is that, you know, Cody and the Bucks and Kenny are in the ring, and they... They try to call over to Hangman to come celebrate with them to end the night, and he and he kind of begs off. He doesn't he doesn't want to do it. He says he's not worthy. Yeah, he's humble. And that he, was said the I, show. he literally said you could hear him say, "I didn't do anything." Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to like kind of you know be a part of it. And... Unlike Cody, who didn't do anything but ran out to get the spotlight. Cody won his open match in the opener. Yeah, but he didn't do anything to win in this specific. But this this whole show is about the elite, like, you know, seeing if they could win. Okay, you're right. But <laughs> also, Jenny, Cody's an executive. I feel like he needs some executive collective cred. I, I mean, he's not a lady executive, so obviously inferior, but he is an executive. Yeah, and you're right. And Adam's not an executive. He probably feels that every day of his life. That's why he's been drinking. Could be. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, that was the end of the show. So they, they tease you with a little something there. Uh, something is still up with Hangman Adam Page. And uh, overall, I thought this was I thought this was one of the best episodes of Dynamite there's been. And it, and it was it was great to see coming after a kind of a not a bad episode, but definitely a bad ending. A, a show that left you with a bad taste in your mouth on December eighteenth. I agree. Yeah, this is a good fun way to start the year. And I'm hoping that when we get a full year of dynamite, they will like continue this trend. Basically, what I heard was or read, I read uh, uh, on Twitter, is that like after the show aired, someone said that like they, you know, over the Christmas break, that they had heard that, you know, the guys, meaning Tony Khan and the EVPs, they heard the feedback and things would things were going to change. Good. Yeah, I hope they do. I mean, they did. I hope. <laughs> I hope that they heard the feedback on the Nightmare Collective as well. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We, Our we did, specific feedback about the Executive Collective being formed. We didn't see. We didn't. We didn't have a hint of the Nightmare Collective. On yeah, you show. did. We did. Yeah, they were shown. They had like a little mini, like, look at them. 
I didn't even I didn't even register that. I think they were mentioned in in regard to like the Riho Chris Statlander thing, you know. Oh, like, went right over my head. Yeah, Tyler didn't pick it up either. Strike three. Luckily, we're done, Tyler. Tyler, I'm sorry. You are probably a perfectly nice individual, and you did not write a script for this podcast episode because it's not your job. <laughs> so. All right. Shall we talk about the ratings? Sure. What? Uh, can I just bring oh. up one topic before we switch gears? Marty Squir- Squirrel. Marty Squirrel. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Marty Squirrel. Um, Where you at, was- homie? It was New Year's, New Year's-ish, you know? New Year's Day. It was New Year's Day. And he didn't have his party. No, I have been calling for a month that I thought Marty Scroll would show up on the New Year's Day celebration in Jacksonville because he had such a New Year's letdown last year. And he was nowhere to be seen. He is officially out of contract with Ring of Honor, right? He is out of contract. He is booked for them uh, next weekend. He's in the main event of their, uh, whatever, their their, big show that's on Honor Club, their streaming service, um, where he is, uh, he and his uh, associates are defending their Ring of Honor six-man tag team titles, presumably to lose them. Yeah. Okay. So he should, maybe because of that, they're holding off, but he has to come here. He has to join his friends. Well, he's also probably going to wrestle Nick Aldis on the next NWA pay-per-view. When is that? I think it's later this month. Do you think he'll come after he's done with all of that? Or do you think he'll come before? I don't know. He's got to come to AEW. I I would hope so. I needed an episode of Being the Elite this week that just kind of acknowledges that his uh, New Year's Day party occurs Mm -hmm. somewhere. Like, I know he was throwing it somewhere. Yeah. Just maybe he'll show up on the being the elite. I technically I think he's allowed to, right? If he's yeah. not under contract with somebody else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he totally can. Oh, I Marty. bet he could have even shown up. I mean, Flip Gordon's shown up a couple times under contract Ring of Honor. Yeah, so. that's that's what I was saying. Like, I feel like he could have shown up on being the elite, like whenever he wanted. It's not specifically excluded in your contract. Yeah. I don't know. Companies, I mean, maybe I'm just in the WWE mindset, but WWE gets really, like, petty and doesn't let their people show up on things, so. No, I know you're right on that. I'm just saying that his contract would have been signed last while everyone was still with Ring of Honor, so it probably didn't, like, say you can't be on Being the Elite specifically. True. But I'm I'm sure WWE contracts say that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, that's why Kenny and Xavier couldn't cross paths uh, at Giant Bomb after dark. That's right. I hope Marty shows up. I hope whatever whatever the plan is for him, it's it ends with him being here. So I just, I'm sad that was one part of the show we didn't get that we were all hoping for. Me too. I really thought I was right. I thought I had called a great storyline and that everyone's going to be happy. I still think he needs to show up and get his friends to get past their their weird fights and come back together as a group. But maybe the timeline gets pushed back on that. Yeah. 
And I mean, what, Kenny and Adam have another match next week. So maybe that will officially cut the ties there so that can open up for Marty to come in and fix everything. Maybe. Do you think Adam's going to show up drunk to his match at some point? <laughs> Fake drunk, yes. Real drunk, no, because he's such a good professional and got away. <laughs> Has been drinking. Let's talk a little bit about ratings. Uh, this is from Andrew Thompson over at Post Wrestling. The ratings are in for the January 1st episodes of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite on TNT and NXT on the USA Network. AEW kicked off 2020 by bringing in 967,000 viewers on Wednesday night, and NXT brought in 548,000 viewers. Dynamite was live this week from Daly's Place in Jacksonville. NXT show was not live this week as it was their year-end awards show that featured some of the top NXT matches of the year and awards being handed out to the roster. Uh, in the 18-49s, AEW reeled in 467,000 viewers, and NXT drew 195,000 viewers. Uh, the 967,000 number is AEW's highest viewership since the October 16th episode of Dynamite. I think this really proves that Vince McMahon was right to push for a network deal for NXT because they're really holding them. He's really holding a to be back from getting close to a million viewers every week. Mm -hmm. Cause when there's nothing for NXT to show on cable television, they're getting close to a million. Yeah. Um, I didn't do my due diligence and help NXT get a higher rating cause I did not watch them the past two weeks. So I feel bad. But that is quite a drop. Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't really have a show. No, and it just, I, it's still surprising, though, because where's that over 50 crowd we always count on? I don't know. Probably watching uh, College Football or something. Mm. Oh, that's true. It hasn't stopped them in the past. Mm. Maybe it's more of a football fan base than a baseball fan base. Maybe. <laughs> All right, so uh, as far as our previews for next week, Presumably we're going to get a be in the Elite. I would hope so. Uh, AEW Dark, the matches that we will see that were taped at Daly's Place uh, before and after Dynamite, uh, will be guest commentated by Chuck Taylor, for one thing. Oh, great. And, Excellent. Uh, and here are your matches. We've got Austin and Billy Gunn versus Sean Spears and Preston Vance. So I believe... I thought... That the guns were wrestling like a more major team. Yeah. I thought that that's what we had previewed last week. Yeah, they've definitely changed that since. Yeah. So anyway, because I don't even I've never even heard of Preston Vance. No, they they were definitely going to be wrestling someone more famous. Yeah. When we previewed it last week. Yeah. Uh, we've got Awesome Kong versus Skylar Moore, and finally SCU. Kazarian, Sky, and Daniels versus the Hybrid 2 and Kip Sabian in a six-man tag team match. I think you could probably guess what will happen how there. that one goes. Yes, not that probably is not going to be very surprising. AEW Dynamite from the Landers Center in South Haven, Mississippi. We'll have a uh, tribute to Memphis Wrestling, as that was uh, one of the, I believe South Haven was one of the stops on the Memphis Territory Loop. Back in the day. Exciting. Yeah. Something for the local market. We've also got the Rhodes Brothers versus the Lucha Brothers. Your first time ever meeting. Uh, 
They're calling this the Dynamite Anniversary Edition. What is that? Well, I think it's I think it's one year to the day that they did the press conference in Jacksonville. Oh, okay. It's not really the Dynamite Anniversary Edition so much as the AEW <laughs> Anniversary Edition. Yes, yes. In addition, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Private Party, stemming from uh, Hangman's interaction with uh, PP at their bar. Christopher Daniels versus Sam Guevara. And Riho being challenged by Chris Statlander for the AEW Women's Championship. Is that going to be the main event? Probably not. I know. <laughs> I would guess that's going to be at the uh, top of the hour, <clears throat> the, the crossover match. Do you think that $12 will be exchanged in the private party in Adam Page match? I maybe. I hope a, so. You know. I and hope they, Adam Page shows up at the beginning and is like, guys, we don't need to do this. Here's your $12. Yeah, I would hope so, too. And then our other big uh, thing that has been promoted is John Moxley and Chris Jericho face-to-face, so Moxley can give him the answer about taking on minority ownership of <laughs> the Inner Circle LLC, as well as that hot-ass Ford GT. Exciting. I'm Very sure Moxley's going to show up with some big ideas for the group in 2020. You know, he's going to be come off, coming off a couple of days wrestling at the Tokyo Dome, so he'll, I'm sure he'll be having... I mean, they should really be having some meetings now. They're both in Tokyo. Yeah. 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 Well, we've got some pretty late-breaking news. So Matt Jackson just posted on Instagram that they've been venue hunting for 2020 oh. and took a picture of the venue that... Presumably, one of the pay-per-views is going to be located in. It's the Toyota Arena, which is in Ontario, California. Oh. Which is a less than 10-minute drive from Rancho Cucamonga, the hometown of the Young Bucks, and where they currently live next door to each other with their parents. Now, did he say it was for a pay-per-view? No, but I would assume it's for a pay-per-view. I mean, it's not its not a huge building. It's only like a 10,000-seater. All right, so maybe it's for just some random dynamite. That's but fine. I bet they're really excited not to have to stay in a hotel room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it seats, looks like it seats about 11,000 for concerts. Okay. I don't know I don't know who the primary tenant is. Oh, the uh, it's the Los Angeles Clippers uh, Developmental League uh, team plays there. Oh, okay. The Agua Caliente Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's very exciting. Yeah, some breaking news. I mean, they need they need to get out to the West Coast. They clearly do. Especially, like, they should be doing that this time of year. Yeah. I still like we say it every week, but like, why are you going to Cleveland on January 29th? It makes no sense. You're gonna get stuck in a snowstorm. And they why are you to having get stuck in a snowstorm? They do. And why are you having your February 29th pay per view in Chicago? Oh yeah, that's bad too. Maybe they just secretly really want to see snow, guys. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they are from California. They did get to see a little snow on Christmas, which we didn't. No, but climate change isn't real. <laughs> well, it's hard to have climate changes when the Earth is flat, okay? All <laughs> same. God, goddamn right, Megan. All right. Well, I think that's about it for this week. Thank you all for listening. For Jenny and Megan, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening to the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.